Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. And we're going to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And I want you to see something here. And before we do this, Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you that it is life-giving. I thank you that the force of the word of God is what radically changes our life. It's, it's what we're about, the word of God. And if it's in scripture, it belongs to us. And we need a revelation of it in the authority of the name of Jesus. We give you honor and glory that I believe that your manifestations are present to heal, deliver, set free. The spirit of the Lord is here. and Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We're thanking you for it in Jesus' name and for those that are watching us via live stream. Praise God. Amen. So join us, if you will. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke and uh, classic verses of Scripture, if you will. And um, notice, if you will, in verse uh, 26 and, uh, of chapter 1. And, uh, and then I want to go into my subject matter here. And listen to this. And, the sixth, and in the sixth month, and in the sixth month, do you see that in there? So it's very important that you understand that because he said, he could have said, and she was pregnant or she had a pregnancy. No, but in the sixth month, not in the sixth month of the year, watch this, but in the sixth month uh, of, uh, watch this, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a, unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth and uh, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, let's for just a moment, look at this. Then notice this this uh, verbal statement that was made. And the angel came and said unto her, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I want you to see this for just a moment because we're going to get back into this. But I want to talk about this. Jesus and the three women of Christmas. Jesus and the three women of Christmas. And this is very important that we, that we get a hold of this in the hour that we're dealing with right here because this is important. And we all know Mary. Mary's awesome. And I don't want to bypass Mary. Mary's an awesome lady. And because, because of what we, what we just read. Can you imagine? Now, here's what I want you to see. She was about 14 to 15 years old when she was visited by this angel. But the scripture didn't say, listen, you little child, you teenager. He said, blessed shall you be among women. So he's making reference of something that is very crucial. And, he, and in the statement was, among all women, whether they're 15, whether they're 25, 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, or 2,000 years later, everybody will be talking about you, you little 15-year-old. Every season, your word, your name is going to be on people's lips. There are a lot of Marys mentioned that are alive. We have probably a Mary or Mary too in here. Amen. Here, Mary, there, Mary, everywhere, Mary. Mary, Mary. And so we've got a lot of Marys. But on this day, everybody knows Mary. And then you mention Joseph. You connect those two, and here's what you think. Christmas. They don't think virgin birth. They don't think angelic operation. They don't think prophecy. And they don't think supernatural. They think Christmas. But there was no Christmas that day. That was not an announcement. Hail thou highly favored. You're bringing in a holiday that is going to be so awesome. 
It's going to be tradition. Trees will be lit up and, and there's going to be stories of a, a man, in a, a fat man in a red suit and he's got these supernatural reindeers that fly everywhere and one night delivers presents everywhere. Isn't that going to be great? Mary, did you know you would bring in Santa? It's not what was going on. We sometimes neglect this. Mary came in on this scene. And so Mary, as Mary comes in on this, this is her statement. As we read this, the virgin espoused to a man named Joseph. Uh, watch this. This is very important. I don't have time to get into this today. The house of David, the lineage of David, all the way up to the lineage of David. And we see this in here. This is very important that we understand this. Do you, oh, well, never mind. I won't get into that. And the, and the virgin's name was Mary. Well, the angel came in. Listen, you're highly favored. Isn't that powerful? You are highly favored. That is so powerful. Now, then if we understand that, that statement in here, she's making, he's making a statement of something that's going to be introduced into humanity. I wanted to make this statement, just veer off just a little bit and make this statement. Um, back in the year of, of 1719, some of you don't even remember 1970. Okay. But in the year of 1719, a minister of the gospel under the unction of God pinned something. And while he was pinning this, out of the, one, out of the 750 things he wrote, he pinned this. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Now listen close. I know we sing it, but listen. Let earth receive her king. In 1719, he's with the heart of pleading, Earth, receive your king. And it became something pinned and then voiced and then put into music a few years down the road to a song everybody knows that uh, through Philharmonics, the, the Messiah. It was written in that chorus, the first part, Joy to the World. What we sing is part of that. Another man born of the Spirit of God who penned that. But he wrote 750 songs we still sing today. That we still sing today. And so, and, and in some portion of it, uh, in 1719, a man, a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a worshiper, and we just got through singing to today with the children. What was pinned, and sometimes we don't know the history. And if we understood the history, the spirit of where it was come, where it came from. He wrote this down by the Spirit of God. Joy to the world. Let earth receive her king. Oh man, that's powerful. Now listen to this. Are you ready for this one? Let every heart. Not every pastor. Let every heart, let every heart receive and prepare him room. Everybody must prepare him room if you're going to receive him. Doesn't matter how old you are. Mary was 15. She prepared a room, her own heart. Her womb is described as virginity. And the angel said, You've been highly favored, and you're blessed. Well, think about this. But how'd she get that way? By respecting her mom and dad. 
she was a true daughter to her father and mother. And her father and her mother were true parents to their child. So they raised her right and she allowed herself to be raised right. And she didn't have friends mom and dad didn't know. She didn't sneak out of back windows. How could you? Do you understand that during that time period, Nazareth, the only thing Nazareth is famous for is Jesus. That's the only thing. Go through history, find out. There's nothing famous out of Nazareth to that point up until this moment except Jesus Christ. Do you realize that there was only estimated between 200 to 400 people living within the area? So if you went out and did something, everybody knew it. I know who you are. You're Mary. You belong, you belong to Joseph. You belong over here to the family. We know your family. We know your family line. We know who you are. Think about this. So Mary's life was, you say, well, she was sheltered. That's why. Everybody watched. No, it should be that way today. And so she prepared a room. So listen to this hymn, the, the first words. You should read the whole thing. Just sit down. Don't put the music aside. Look up the lyrics and read the lyrics and read what a man wrote by the Spirit of God in 1719 and how relative they are right now. This, this is such powerful. Heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. Heaven and the nature sing. Watch this. Heaven and uh, watch heaven and heaven nature sing. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Don't sing anything that does not invoke the blessing of God. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat it. Keep telling it over and over and over again. We'll read that in a moment. Repeat the sounding joy. Let no, let no more let sin and sorrow grow. Don't let it grow. Watch this. Nor thorns infest the ground. What ground? The ground you walk by faith on. He comes to make his best blessing flow. For as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love and the wonders of his love is what removed the curse. Wow, think about that for just a moment. Now, so we get to this point in here, you see Mary, make room for him. And then we have another aspect of this. Um, and during her time period, she spent there, she was a hardworking woman. And then you find, if you will, go down with me, let's look at another verse. Luke chapter 1, let's go to verses, uh, let's look at, at verse, Luke chapter 1, 5 through 7. And it says this, back up a little bit, let's get a little bit more history. Now watch this, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. This is very important you understand this because this was a dictatorship. They were removing every aspect of worship that they could get out of people. Now watch this. And a certain priest named Zacharias and of the course of, Judea, of, of uh, Abba and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Now that gives you some tremendous history. You know what that's telling you right there? It's letting you know right there that she was of the lineage of the priesthood. So was her husband. They were both of the lineage of priests. So this man married right, Elizabeth. He married right. He married a powerful woman. 
And then the scripture said, and she was barren. Watch this. And they both were, watch the verse 6. Both of them were righteous before God, walking in all their commandments and ordinances, and the Lord, and, and watch this, before the Lord, and they were blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were now well stricken in years. But it came to pass that while he was executing the priest's office before God in the order of his, the custom was the priest, Lot was incensed, they, they drew lots. The angel Gabriel appeared to him at that moment as well. So when he did that, back to Mary. Listen to this. Mary, uh, well, let's, uh, let me talk about Elizabeth. The wife of a well-respected priest. Number two, a woman born into and from the ancestry line of priesthood of Aaron. I want you to get this. Give you some history here because of what we see in, in what's going on. It, it matters who, who, um, who you associate with. It matters who you marry. It marries who you're in pursuit of. Amen? They could be wonderful kissers, but they could also hold the kiss of death. They may beat COVID. They could also beat you. So you better watch yourself. Woman born into and from the ancestry line of Aaron. Watch this. Listen to these statements I'm giving you. This is scriptural now. She, this is Elizabeth, a faithful servant of God and a loyal companion who served alongside her husband. Man, isn't that awesome? So she stood alongside of her husband. And this, this is what she did. She stood alongside of him. She was of the priesthood. She understood what the priesthood was all about. And she stood there. The woman who walked through every season of her life as a woman was Zacharias. When they got married, as, when they, during the time period, they would get married in the younger years. And when they did this, all her years, whether she was 19, whether she was 20, she was married at that whole duration of time. At, at 20, 25, at 30, no child. At 35 to 38 to 40, no child. Now you're getting cup to what people call today... The clock is ticking. My clock is ticking. I want a child. My bio, hear it? My biological clock is ticking. Now back up, back up, because this is very important. Who was this woman? Here, let me back up. Let me share, share with you again so you get it. She was the wife of a well-respected priest. Well, she, surely she had a child. She should have had a child. She was born from the ancestry line of Aaron. Well, surely she deserved a child. She was a faithful servant of God. Well, surely she deserved a child. She was a loyal companion to her husband. She was faithful. She should have had a child. She was a woman who walked faithfully in every season of her life. She deserved a child. Yet, the scripture said she, she was barren. Now, you got to understand, barren at that time period, any time in that time period. They never said it was the man. They always blamed the woman for no child. That's why I said she was barren. Didn't say them. They had no way of checking them. Are you with me? So it could very well have been him who couldn't have. He, I mean, he could have blanks his whole life. We don't know. Okay, thank you. I'll come on this side. Talking real, I mean, I, I could have went another way, but I just went that way. So, but, but it was always on the woman. And since it was on the woman, it was a shame. Now, I want you to catch this. Just like Mary, who had a child outside of marriage, she had a child, she couldn't have a child, so when people walked by her, that's her who can't have a child. Man, what a disgrace to her husband. That's what they said. 
That's how they would do this. Now, you know what the consequences were if you could not have a child? The husband could, number one, divorce you. Could, number one, divorce you. Number two, could divorce you and put a sign on you so nobody else would marry you. Put a mark on you by the priesthood. And number three, you could not go to worship anymore in the tabernacle because something about you was unclean. Now here's why I love Zacharias. He didn't do any of that. Now there's a real man. There's a real man who said, honey, I got your back. Listen, I love you. I know we don't have a child. I know what you're going through. I know the pain you're going through. But I got you. We're with this together. And so let's just pray. They prayed at 20. They prayed at 25. They prayed at 30. They prayed at 35. They prayed at 40. They were honest. They were faithful. They served God. Why couldn't they have a child? And why were all the people in the community who knew? They were their friends, yet they talked behind their back. But Zechariah, I got you. I got you. And one day while he was in his ceremony, the scripture said, the lot came on him that day. And everybody gathered. Read it. The Bible said a multitude. We don't know how many were outside. I guarantee you, the woman that was outside, every time Zacharias was doing his duty as a priest, his wife stood outside that tabernacle. She stood at the house of God waiting. You were so silent, you couldn't hear a pin drop because the bells at the bottom of the priest's robe would move. And every, six, every motion, you could tell where they were at in the tabernacle by how the bells moved. There was a pomegranate and a bell, pomegranate and a bell, pomegranate at the bottom of this. So they listened intently. You knew that his wife was there in silent prayer because that's what they did. There was a woman's court and then there was the men's court. And the women's court, they all stood and they listened. And one of those women was Elizabeth, surrounded by women who probably mocked her, laughed behind her back. But she didn't care. She stood there as a servant of God, not a servant to those women and not a servant to their complaints or mockery and not a servant to their put down. This is Elizabeth. And her husband comes out and can't talk. And all he could do is write, man, I was visited by an angel. He shut me up. But I was visited. And then she has a child. Second woman. You got Mary, but Elizabeth was first. Mary gets the announcement. Then the angel tells Mary, go see your cousin. She's with a child six months. I want you to get a vision of what's happening to you. Amen. So ladies, let me tell you this. Your belly line tells history. At six months. At six months. It's precisely. Very important. Angel knew she's six months pregnant. Go see her. So she went and she was already carrying. So she went. She was a wife of a well-respected. She, but watch this. Uh, she trusted God because of her life. Now, you know who her father was? One, he's only used in one scripture here. Uh, well, let's read it. Luke chapter 1. There were the days of, Herod, uh, the, uh, days of Herod, the king of Judea, certain priest named Zacharias, the course of, of uh, and his wife and the, the daughters of Aaron. The name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking uh, in the commandments, the ordinance of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were now stricken in years. So now we find that they're part of Aaron's lineage. The third person I want to talk to you about in a major on right here is a woman very people ever, ever talk about. And her name is Anna. Over the years, I've talked about this woman. Anna. She was also con- uh, 
uh, in a prayer warrior, a prayer room, war room, in faith, with a man by the name of Simeon. And they went to the tabernacle. Now, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and 40, we read this verse. Are you ready for it? Luke chapter 2, verse 36, and uh, let's read it down through verse 40. And look, look at this. This is a, a powerful, powerful verse of Scripture. Now, and then there was Anna, a prophetess. Wow. The daughter of Peniel, the tribe of Asher. And watch this. And she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. For those of you, 84. She was a widow for 84 years. But she was married for seven. You do the math. If you're a widow for 84 years, been married for seven years, and then your husband dies, does not leave you a child. We're getting some history here of a woman who had an integral part of Jesus and this birth and Christmas. She's very seldom ever spoken about. Watch this. Uh, and she was a widow, four score, four years, which departed, I like this, you ready? Underline this. Departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And in the coming of the, watch this, and in coming in that instant, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all of them that looked for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the, law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee in their own city, and the child grew. When they fulfilled all the law, when they fulfilled all the ordinances of this. Now, who is this woman? Anna, the prophet's daughter of Penel. Now, who is Penel? He's only mentioned one time in Scripture, and there it is right there. He's only mentioned one time. And here's what his name means. Get a history of this. His name means this. To turn towards God and live for Him face to face. That is what His name means. And when Anna, her husband, died, she lived out her father's name. I will turn towards God and face him, and look at Him face to face the remainder of my life. I will not judge him. I will not judge my God, criticize my God. I will not do that. Rather, what I will do is I'm going to get out of my home. I'm going to go live in the temple and serve God for the rest of my life in prayer and in fasting. Now, this woman, the scripture, the first thing you read about her, she's a prophetess. Do you know what she was prophesying? There's coming a king. There's coming a king. And I'm not leaving this temple because when he comes, I'm going to see him. Not only will I get to see him, I'm going to get to hold him. I get to behold the king in a few days of his being arrival on earth. And I'll be one of the very first people who speaks over his life. Now think about her for just a moment. Most people don't think about who, listen, who you let babysit your children, it matters. Who you let speak over your children, lay hands on them and speak, it matters. It matters. Simeon grabbed him. He said, oh, I've seen now the consolation of Israel. And now I can go home, I can die. I, I, I held on this long till I saw him. Now that I see him, I can rest. This is what Simeon said. That was not Anna's prayer. 
Anna's ministry got started there. I want you to think about that. It got started there. Her ministry got started. You know, I don't know. No, why? A simple statement. She began there to go tell people of the redemption. Now remember, she's been married seven years, and now she's been in the temple 84 years. You do the math, and that's she started her ministry. So tell me how you're going to retire from God. If you have a purpose, you hang on and you hold on. Maybe she thought 20 years in the temple, I'll see him. 30 years in the temple, I'll see him. No, 84 years go by. And sometimes we get frustrated and nervous because we don't see something. She wasn't looking for a car, a home. She wasn't looking for a job, a scholarship, or a husband, or a wife. She'd get frustrated because she went to Walmart and they sold the last thing they wanted. Or somebody took their spot, they pulled in. Ah. No frustration, but she was waiting to see the face of a child who would be the savior of all mankind. I'm in this temple serving. I will see him. I don't know when, but I'm going to see him. And every morning when she woke up and went into prayer fast, could this be the day I see him? Then she went to sleep that night. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Will that be the day I see him? Oh my God, I wish to God that all of us had that anticipation. Is today the day of the rapture? And if not today when I go to sleep, will it be tomorrow? Will the pain in my body that I've had for five years, will it leave me by lunch today? And if not, tomorrow? Regardless of it, I do believe I have a healing God. I have a delivering God. I have a God who loves me. He is no longer baby Jesus. I know some of you, we get married and then you, you look at your, 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 your spouse and you have words, hey baby, how you doing? But you don't mean they're babies. It's supposed to be an endearing term. How come at your birthday we don't give you a, uh, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, we don't give you a, a, a one candle that says happy first birthday? Why do we do that to Jesus every time? He's a baby. How long does Jesus, for eternity, does Jesus have to be a baby? They didn't nail a baby to the cross. It wasn't a baby crawling that looked over at, Lazarus, at, over at the leper and go, The only place we get this, but we do this, we think of him as a baby. And we still see him wrapped in swaddling clothes. I don't see him that way. You know what? One day the Bible says he's going to split open the eastern sky, ride his horse, and he's going to have a vesture that's dipped in blood and a cross that named Word of God. And he will come with, a, with his crown on with a, and his glorious horse. And all of the saints who have gone on before us, all of you that have loved ones that are in heaven right now, will be with them and will be caught up together with them in the air. Oh, man. And God loves you so much, He's not going to wait for you to get to heaven. He's going to meet you halfway and take us all with Him. God. And all of His manifestation. But here's the interesting thing about this woman. I'm going to see Him. I will see Him. Now, shall I watch this. Here, now here was this woman, Anna. Here's the first word. She was a prophetess. You know what a prophetess is? 
a woman who prophesies, speaks by the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God gives her something to say. She wasn't a garage prophet. Amen? She, she, was, she spoke by the Spirit of God. Her ancestry lineage was of Asar. That was a, a royal line. She was, by Scripture, old in age. Do you ever notice that when you're, a person's 19 or 20, they'll tell you the age, I'm 20, I'm 20. Hey, I just turned 21. When they get into 30 or 40, what's your age? Uh, you know. <laughs> I, had, I had two aunts that did that. Well, they were at, at, a, at, a, at a market for Christmas. It was during Christmas time. And both of them, they took cash out of the bank to go. They, they didn't like writing checks or carrying cards. They had cash on them. Both of them did. And uh, so they're getting out. And while they're going, a truck pulls up. And two guys grabs their purses from the back and, and yanks their purses and steals their purses. Well, they call the police. And the police come, and both of them are crying because they got the money, everything's gone, and both of them are crying there. And uh, so while they're having this conversation, the police officer looks at her and goes, what's your name? He takes her name. And how old are you? And she just stared at the, she stopped crying. <laughs> and she looked at the police officer and then looked at the other, the other her, her cousin, she, and her cousin goes, she stopped crying. Now she's listening. I want to know how old you are. And she goes, uh, um, I'm older than 50. Policeman sort of smiles goes, and you? Just like her, older than 50. <laughs> Neither one of them. In the middle of being robbed, I'm not giving you my age. Oh, no, I'm not telling you my age. There's something about being glorious. You ought to be excited how old you are. At least you're here. You're alive and you're healthy. You ought to be excited. Something happens, though, when you turn 60 and say, thank God, look where I've come. Yeah. Amen, look where I've come. Joanna was telling me about a woman, uh, excuse me, a man, a veteran who was 100 years old who got to meet with the Queen of England. World War II vet, 100 years old, sat down, and they were conversing, sharp. The guy could walk, and they're having a conversation. And, and he would say, don't, don't tell anybody my age. No. We know the queen's age. We know his age. We know. Joanna and I are both 67. Not ashamed of it. Amen. 67. Met her 50 years ago. Married 46 years. Still in love. I'll come over here. And we, st and we still give each other holy kisses. That's tongues, if you don't know. And then I have the interpretation. And then I have the interpretation. So young people don't have a corner on nothing. We perfected it. All right, never mind. Now think about this. Here's this woman of God, saintly woman, powerful woman. But listen, she was married seven years and her husband dies. Come on, she was serving God. And, and they, something happened that was so tragic. She lost her husband. And in the losing of her husband, she also thought, I have no child. I have no offspring of my husband. No, nobody that looks like him. Nobody to carry on the name. What was wrong? I'm, I'm clean. I'm healthy. I'm well strong. I live for God. What was wrong? What happened? Instead of turning sour, instead of turning desperate and becoming uh, distant from God, she became what her father's name was. Everything in me is in pain, but I'm going to turn towards God. And I'm going to look at him face to face. And that's what she did. And then finally said, I'm moving out of my house and I want to get a better look and I'm moving into the temple. 
And I'm going into the temple, and, uh, and, and in the temple they had carved out the, what they called rooms. They were hewn into the rocks, little candles, little, little places there, little mats, and that's where she lived her life. She moved in there. She left her home and moved in there to do what? To serve God. She gave herself to God for one reason. As a word that came to her in the Spirit, you are going to hold the Savior of the world. And you must prepare Him room. You must prepare Him the room. She, now watch this. And she never married again. There, there's some, you know, for men, sometimes men, get men they go through that and they, get, they, have, they become widowed. And then they, they don't like to be alone. So they marry right away. And a woman, a woman says, no, I don't think so. I'm okay here. I'm not saying that they don't get, you know, uh, that they don't want uh, somebody companion to eat with. And, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. But they're not so much in a rush. That the following week, they've got somebody. She's never married again. You know, there was a lot of single men coming in and out of that temple. And nothing attracted them more than the presence of God. Man, if you're interested in dating somebody and their attraction, if their attention isn't towards God, they're not that attractive. No. Amen. You know, for most, for most, I mean, come on, we, you know, the, the abs start to sway. Stuff starts happening. Her cheerleader figure might turn into three cheerleader figures. But she stayed in the temple and she served. Look at verse 37. Once again, she was a widow, which meant she never married. Fifteen, about 15 years old. So you do the math on that, how she handled all this. Anna's, Anna's encounter with Jesus, listen to my statement here, with Jesus is very seldom told. Anna's age is defined in Scripture as old, but Anna's character and spiritual hunger is bold. And people don't talk about her character. And what happened? Verse 38. And she coming in that instant, she wasn't outside. She was in the tavern. She was in there in her prayer. She came in. She saw Simeon holding the child. She saw Simeon holding the child. I recall when Joanne, uh, Joanne and I, we, uh, uh, when we were in the room together, they allowed, I went into the room. We went through the, what they referred to as Lamaze class when we gave birth to our two children, our two sons. And so when Joel and Brent were born, and so we did the class, and we went in, and when they did that, I got to cut the umbilical cord. And I, I recall how they both looked, how they, were, uh, how, how they had to clean them up, and I got to hold them. And I remember holding them and putting them on Joanne's, on Joanne, she's laying there, and she, she's weeping. And she's holding these children, each different event, how precious each one. And we wept, our, our eyes I think my, I don't know who's calling me. Hello, I'm preaching. I don't know, I turned it off. Bothered by that. Time for that. Cool. It was Jesus on the main line? <laughs> Amen, there it is. That's what you do in church. You don't take it to run out. Just, damn, I'm preaching. 
I apologize for those. Maybe it was you online. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but what's interesting is that the look on her face when she got to see Joel, when she got to see Brent, just, just, just moments more, seconds more. Then the, both of them crying. Both of them just, and then we held on to them. I'd, and then I took them both in my arm and held them before heaven and made a commitment to God that I would live for God all the days of my life in front of them. Held them up before heaven. Oh, man, what a, what a joy that was to do that. Can you imagine, though, having in here a prophecy, you're going to hold the Savior. And you hold on to that for years. Can you imagine Mary knowing that while she was at the stable and she's giving birth, she had angelic visitation in her mind. I remember when he showed up. Can you imagine Elizabeth when she gave birth to John? You were the one that leaped when you got close to Mary. They all had manifestations. These three women are very seldom ever connected. They're spoken about separately. But every one of them held something dear to the heart. Anna holds, comes in and Simeon is standing there. And you got to catch, catch her face. This is the one I've been waiting for. Simeon said, I've been waiting so I could leave earth and see my God. There he is. Out of all of the baby dedications that have always gone on, the circumcisions, engaging the covenant, not the one, beautiful child, got a good name, going to be raised up, but he knew inside, not the one. This day he walks in and his face lights up. This is the one. I have now released. I now look at and I behold the consolation of Israel, the man who will save the world. And while he's excited, giving thanks, here comes Anna. Walking in. I hear excitement that I've not heard before. It did something to my spirit, man. It did something on the inside. Something in me is triggered. Something in me is so supernatural. This is, this is so important that we, that we understand the life we live. Do you realize how holy you are? You're born of the Spirit of God and you're, you're the vessel fit for the Master's use. The Spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you. Yes, he's the comforter. Yes, he's the Holy Ghost. Yes, he's the counselor. He's all those things. But do you realize when you get up in the morning, he gets up in you. And just ask him, what will we do today? What's our assignment today? Here am I. Use me. Here am I. Don't get up in the morning and go, boy, my knees hurt a little bit. No. No. Jesus, thank God my body's well, healthy, and strong. I like how Smith Wigglesworth said it. He goes, I don't ask my body how it feels. I tell my body how I feel. He said every morning he got up and danced for 15 minutes with no music, just to show the devil he's strong. But then, you know, people say, well, why would he do so? Well, now historically now, and medically now, scientific proof now, we have evidence that he raised 36 people from the dead who were clinically dead. Many of them were in the casket already and grabbed them out of the casket, yanked them out of the casket, threw them against the wall and commanded them to walk. See, you'll never get that way if, we can't, if you can't even command your body to get to church. Oh, 
But we want to see the manifestations. Anna, I'm going to serve God. And the Bible says that he's coming in. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, verse 39, they returned into Galilee on their own city. And the child grew. Now watch this. This is important you understand this. She held on to, uh, she held on to him. Coming in that instant, giving, watch, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption. Can you imagine holding the child? We have baby Jesus over there, don't we? I think baby Jesus is in that corner. Is there baby Jesus in that corner? Can I hold baby Jesus? We found baby Jesus. We couldn't find, we saw all the parts and we couldn't find baby Jesus. And then we finally found baby Jesus. So now he's singing that song, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Well, I don't want the whole crib. I just want baby Jesus. Oh, can I, can I hold your check? Yeah. Now look at your response. Can you imagine Anna? I've been here this whole year, all these years. Behold the Savior, the Redeemer. I'm holding the Redeemer, the one God told me about, the one I saw in the Spirit, the one the Holy Spirit told me about, the reason that I've consecrated my life for. Here he is, Simeon crying. And her father, thank you. Thank you, your words have come true. Thank you that your words have come true. Oh, she ain't crying. Get a picture. You see how beautiful this child is? Look at the face. Look at the face. Yeah. How many months was she? And how long was she in the hospital that you guys couldn't? Wow. Do you understand? Yeah. It's Ed? Okay. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. But can, you, but can you imagine her face? See, you look at scripture, and then she went and told people, about no, no, it wasn't like that. She was there 84 years, waiting for that moment, and came in with joy in her heart. And just so excited, the excitement hit her. It wasn't her child, but it was like, that's my child. And when she embraced him, she gave thanks. She gave thanks. She was holding the Savior of humanity, the one who would crush Satan's head, the one who would wipe out all sin, the one who would bring us close to not just God, but introduce us to a father, the one who would be our healer, our deliverer, the wonderful lover. This is who she was holding. She is the third woman of Christmas. She spoke over him. And then the Bible said, according to the law, all these things were performed. 
When we dedicate children, we speak words of faith over them. And once you dedicate the child and you, you hold them in your arms and you dedicate that child, that's Anna, Simeon did, the priest did it. They, they did the circumcision and they held him. Oh, man. So Jesus, Mary, Elizabeth, and Anna. I know she's not one of the three wise people that you see over there and the shepherds. But oftentimes we miss the prophetess. What was she prophesying? What was she drawn to? And that prophecy still exists today. He's still Savior. The question is, will you live in the atmosphere to embrace Him? And, and, and do you long to be in His presence so much? Is your hunger so much that you, that's all you want is God? That's, that's all I want. That's all I want is I want His presence. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm talking about being a Christian. A Christian serving God. Now, I've oftentimes told the, the, the count, many of you have heard it, you probably can quote it with me. And say it with me. But when I first met Joanne and she got born again that day, the day she got born again, within a few hours, she called me and said, I'm not going to date you no more. I'm dumping you. You're not saved. She didn't know any scripture. Never been to a church to pray according to Scripture. But she got born again. And she knew I couldn't fit in that life of God. So she had to cut off everything. If she was going to remove sin, she also had to remove a sinner. So she called and dumped me. Me. And I called her back. And then she said, what part of what I told you didn't you understand? Hung up. She went to church that night. It was a Wednesday night. And then she wouldn't answer my calls. So I had to ask a bunch of people where she was going to go to church Sunday. And I found out she went to, to the Baptist church in Downey, California. And she went to church. So I went to church looking for her. I was a stalker. I hunted her down, yeah. And I went to church. Found out where she was sitting, squeezed in. She goes, what are you doing here? I said, I came to church. She goes, you did not. I said, I came looking for you. She goes, well, pay attention. Leave me alone. So we heard the message. She didn't want to go out and eat with me afterwards. I said, well, can we talk? She goes, not till you're born again. And then she ended up taking me to a movie. We saw Thief in the Night. I never forget the song, Life Was Filled With Guns and Wars. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it was supposed to be scary at the time. I think what was scary is the singer singing it. Life was filled with guns and wars. That was a scary look. But anyway, I gave my life to Christ. Well, let me get back up. I went through the motion. So Monday through Friday, I was still doing everything I was doing. Saturday I hung out with her, and Sunday I went to church. I even bought a Bible called the Way Bible. Never read it, just took it to church so she could see me carrying it. Six months later, Calvary Chapel, I get born again, and Tom Stipe was ministering that night. I'll never forget it. See, you never forget when you get an encounter. Tom Stipe was ministering, and a wing and a prayer was singing that night. 
And uh, that was the name of the group. And Tom Stipe was one of the singers in the group, and he got up to sing. And once he got up to sing, and after he got through, he put the guitar down, and they would do about 15, 20-minute message, and then they'd have an altar call. But I had a visitation that night, which was unusual for me. My mom came in. To, I, was, I went to sleep. I was, I was on drugs. And so I came in, and I went to bed. My mother was in the living room with my uncle. This was not a dream. This happened. So I went to bed, and I'm in bed, and I got lifted up off the bed, and I was moving in, in the air like this. Just moving in the air. This is on Friday night. And then my mother, she gets up, and I hear her say, something's wrong with my son. And I heard her running down the hall. She opened up my bedroom door, and I fell to the ground. And so now I'm on the ground. She goes, what did you do on the floor? I said, something grabbed me. She goes, you're dreaming. Get back in bed. So I called some of my friends. I told them what happened. They go, next time that happens, go with it. See where it takes you. <laughs> That's when you know you got wrong friends. <laughs> so I go back to sleep that night, and, I'm getting, and I have a dream. And I never heard the term rapture. Never heard the term. I never read the scripture, First Thessalonians. Never. But I'm, dream, but I'm in my dream. Joanne and I are standing there, and she's glowing. And she looks up, and she goes, can you hear the sound? And she started to lift. And she put her hands up. It's glorious. And I'm down here going, what? She goes, look at him. Look at the skies filled. And I'm going, what? I'm still on the ground. The rapture's taking place, and I'm not going. I never heard that term. Tom Stipes, Calvary Chapel, that night, we go. And I'm sitting there, and instead of preaching that night, he, puts, he looks around, he looks around, and he goes, somebody last night had a dream. You were visited by an evil spirit that yanked you out of bed and made you float in midair. And then you dreamt that you missed the rapture. I'm not going to prolong this. Get up here now. I got up and ran to the front. Now she's thinking, why are you going? You got a Bible? You've been coming to church this whole time? Because you can go to church, you can carry a Bible. But if it's not in your heart, and all you put on is churchianity instead of Christianity and wear the name of Christ, man, you're going to miss it. You can put on the church rules and never put on Christ. All the methodologies. This life is worth living. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, Tom Stipe. I just looked him up the other day. He's pastoring in Denver, Colorado. And I, was, I just watched it, and I was looking at him, and I started weeping. I go, that's the man who led me to Christ. That's the man who stopped in the middle of a service just for me. And God spoke to him, and he voiced it out. That man right there, I was watching him as he preached. Man. And then I looked up Winging a Prayer and heard them sing. I don't know why I liked that music back then, but it was good then. Anna sought God. And since that day, I've been searching God. Since that day. I never knew that when we got, born, we got married, this would be our calling. Yeah. I don't know if she ever thought that. I'm going to marry a pastor, and it's going to be a wonderful life. and you know, It's going to be such an awesome joy to be married to a preacher. We just serve God and just do all kinds of things and travel be gone 18 days while I'm pregnant and uh, <laughs> you know travel around the world go to 19 countries 36 states preach the gospel and I'll be home most of the time oh what a life that'll be 
And I get to be with the children the whole time. <laughs> Never not thought that. Never thought about this. Never thought this, this would be it. But both of us held a child. All of us, and then together we've held this life of Christ. And now he lives big on the inside of us. Anna, the prophetess, said, this is who I've been talking about. And she prophesied and spoke redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, redemption is for you. And everything he's doing. So when we celebrate Christmas, have you prepared room for him? Have you made room for him? This is the, this is the whole thing that we have to realize. 1719, a preacher penned something that at that time didn't have a clue that we would be singing today in a variety of different ways. But joy has come to the world through Jesus Christ. And he can take all the pain away and all the sorrow. In every account, Mary was a, was a young lady, a virgin, and she had to go through ridicule of being pregnant outside marriage. Elizabeth had to walk her life being accused of being the barren one and not being able to have a child for her husband. Anna had her husband die just seven years later. Every one of these women had some form of tragedy, yet blessing came out of it. Christmas. 2020, for a lot of people, have been tragic. Lost a job, stay at home, spirit of fear. There's been loss of income, can't see family members. You know, there's a variety of things that have happened this year. And... Uh, 2021 will only be as good as you allow it to be. <laughs> only be as good as you want it to be. Amen. So I don't bow to the false prophet, uh, Dr. Fossey. The fear monger. I'm not saying he's not a doctor. I'm not saying he's not a scientist. But King Jesus, who happens to be my fat master physician, has already inoculated me and given me his name and given me his word. Now, I'm not saying I don't use precaution and use wisdom. That's not what I'm saying. But however, I do have a God. And every day, thank God I'm well, healthy and strong. Thank God COVID-19 had no authority over my life. Thank God my heart's strong. My blood is strong. My kidneys are strong. Healthy and strong. I'm fearfully and I am wonderfully made. My inner parts were known by him. He's counted every hair on my head, even the ones that I lost. He knows where they're at. He knows how many I was born with. He's a good God, and he cares about you. Amen. So come every day and let us adore him. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.